You're listening to an audio sermon from Harvest Bible Chapel in Oakville, Ontario. For more information, please visit our website at harvestoakville.ca. Would you find a Bible as well? Strongly encourage you to find a copy of God's Word and um, turn to Acts, Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2 is where we'll be in God's Word today, and we'll be looking specifically at verses 42 to 47. Do you know that um, the word church is used 114 times in the New Testament? Okay, so the word church is used 114 times, and 90 of those uses, 90 of them in the New Testament refer to a local gathering of believers. So it's describing the local church. A local gathering of believers that are gathered for fellowship in Christ and mission for Christ. So 114 uses, 90 of them speak of the local gathering of the body of believers and the purpose of Jesus Christ. So what that tells us, not to mention very specific texts elsewhere in the New Testament as well, is this, okay? If you're going to genuinely follow Christ... If you're going to call yourself a true follower of Jesus Christ, there are no exceptions to this. You must also then be connected to his church because the local church has been designed by God for community, for discipleship, and for growth in Jesus Christ. One of the statements that covers our message today as we look at the 5G life and group time is this, group time is grow time. Group time is is grow time as explained in the scriptures. Here's where we've been throughout this series. Each week we're doing this, just so you'll start making me drive you nuts with this, but I pray that it will be a loving reminder of what we're trying to do as a church. The goal, I want to follow Christ. Christ has called me to follow him. How do I do that? Here's what I believe. I must abide, I must connect, I must share. If you're new here this week, welcome, welcome. Here's what you need to know. If you're a true follower of Christ, you have to abide. You have to connect to his church. You must share what Christ has given to you if you're saved in him. No exceptions, must happen. The Bible is abundantly clear. This is what we believe constitutes a follower of Christ. But then we ask, what does a follower of Christ do then? If I believe this, how does this get flushed out? Well, if I abide, I spend time with God, God time. If I connect to his church, I must gather in this setting as the assembly of believers. But beyond that, and now today we see group time. I must gather uh, in smaller gatherings of true fellowship with uh, brothers and sisters in Jesus Christ because we're going to see today how important that is. If I share, give time next week, Lord willing, and go time as we end this foundational series within our church, all right? So what does that look like flushed out? Well, next slide here. The 5G life then is what we're going for, right? This is the vocabulary and terminology that we're using. This is an intentional pursuit then of God time, gather time, group time, give time, time, the five G's. The handles that we are putting on these G's now is, let's start with God time, 20 minutes a day. Not legalism, not a formula, not ritual, not God likes me more now. No, 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 right? This is because God has loved me so much in the gospel, 
because I am now a child of God, because I've been redeemed, because I cannot lose, because every sin, past, present, future has been uh, covered and paid for at the cross of Jesus Christ, because glory is guaranteed, because heaven is coming, because Jesus Christ will return, because I am a sheep that belongs to him, because I have been called and gathered as his child, I will never be cast out, okay? Because of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, that's all his love for me, I don't sit back and say, thanks, Jesus, now I live for myself. No, no. If I truly understand what he's done for me, I love him with my whole life. And when I love him for my whole life, I give him the best of my time. That's what love does. It shares the best of our time. And what we understand here then is, of course I want a starting point and measurables for my life to say, where's my God time? Where's my gather time? An hour and a half a week. Where's my group time? And we're seeing this now, and we're saying the starting point for this would be seven hours a month to gather in a specific group with brothers and sisters in Christ. When you look at the way we spend our time over the course of a month, hundreds and hundreds of hours, this is very minimal. And so this is what we're doing. It's starting points to say, we think this is helpful so we can say, where am I? And where do I need to be? And how can this grow within my life as well? So, gather time last week, and now under connect, as a follower of Christ, we see today group time, Acts 2, verse 42. Here's the passage which we have read together today, and now we're going to see this again. It says this. Luke says in Luke, uh, Acts 2, verse 42, and they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship to the breaking of bread, notice, and the prayers. And awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. Verse 46. And day by day, attending in the temple together and breaking bread in their homes... Uh, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day uh, those who were being saved. Amen, church? Amen. Now, we want context as we come to verse 42. So let's get, gather some context in verse 41. Check out verse 41. It says there in verse 41, uh, So those who received his word were baptized, and there were added that day about three thousand souls okay so notice this in acts one it tells us that they were gathered about 120 the text says that 120 believers as the church began and so that this church goes from a strong core group 120 and it explodes overnight into a mega church where 3,000 souls were added. I find that really interesting, 3,000 souls, uh, what that represents as families or represents maybe as children that were, you know, infants. And, you know, what you come up with is something like what we experience on a weekend here. Uh, very similar numbers to that. And I think we just something we, re, we relate to and just kind of, ex well, how did they do it? You know, how did, how, how did they figure it out when they kind of became that size and saw God working? And so we're encouraged by that, I pray, to learn even more to say, well, again, how did it work for them and how can it work for us? And of course, 2,000 years ago, it still applies beautifully and wonderfully today as well. Another thing I want to point out to you within Acts 2 and verse 41 is some people really struggle with larger churches. Right? In our day today, a lot of people struggle with larger churches. I just, I just need to point out this, okay? Then you also would have struggled with the first church, all right? You would have had a, a real hard time in, in this setting as well because God was doing great, great things. Other people say, well, this church is too big. I want to find a smaller church. I get that. 
I understand that, the need and the, and the seeming desire for community in a smaller setting. I, uh, this church began with my wife and I and one other couple, John and Susan McDonald. Four people this church started back in 2003, and then I went to eight people, and here we are today, and it's been, it's been quite a ride. It's been very, very exciting, but I just need to know that if people are saying, well, I've got to find a, a, a smaller church, and in this setting in Acts 2, there was no other option, all right? This is the only option you had was the church that was being seen and then exploded by the gospel of Jesus Christ. I also want us to know in Acts 2, no one's bemoaning the size of the church, no one's complaining that people are getting saved and that, and that lives are being changed all over the place. What they're doing is they're celebrating the revival that is taking place from the Lord Jesus Christ. And now what they're concerned with is how within the quantity of disciples do we maintain the quality of disciples to see the community of Christ go forward uh, for him. And so in this text, in many ways, what you have uh, being explained to us is a supernatural gather time of the believers and the 3,000 souls. But then we're going to see there's also a supernatural group time um, as well. And so what my intention, our intention here is to say, what can we learn from group time specifically from Acts 2 verses 42 to 47? So the overarching question that we're answering really today, and this is our message today, is why group time? Why is group time essential? Why is group time so important? And we're going to see five main reasons from our text today why group time is essential in following Jesus Christ. Reason number one for this is this right here. Ready? Because I need community. Why group time? Why do you need to hear this message today? Because you, listen, have been designed in Jesus Christ for biblical, Christ-centered community. This entire passage, notice, has a thread of community running through it. It's all about a Christ-centered community. Verse 42, and they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship to the breaking of bread and the prayers. So notice in this verse, verse 42, okay, without a doubt in the early church, there's a passionate, authentic devotion to the Lord. They have been transformed by the gospel. Jesus Christ has set them free from sin. The Holy Spirit has come and indwelt them. They are alive. They are rejoicing. They are new creatures. They have been born again. They are so fired up because they were dead, but now they're alive in this new work of grace. There's an incredible devotion to the Lord Jesus Christ and love, celebration, affection, and wholehearted passion for him. But notice this, notice this. Where there's a true devotion to the Lord, there will always also be a true devotion to other believers in Jesus Christ. They love the Lord and instantly because they love the head of the church, they love the body of the church as well because you cannot just love the head and not love the body. If you only love the head, you have a body without a head ultimately or a head without a body. And that doesn't work well. If you try that, don't try that. Don't try that, all right? It doesn't, it, doesn't, it doesn't work well. But the body connected to the head. And so the whole point is when you're devoted to the Lord, you're devoted to the believers of the Lord Jesus Christ. When you love Jesus Christ, you love his church. That's one of the signs we know we're authentically in the Lord Jesus Christ. We are, look at it this way, when Christ's love fills us, it flows from us. When you are truly filled with Christ's love, you don't hoard it. 
You don't just let it sit here and stay with you and it doesn't go anywhere. Oh, this feels so good. Jesus Christ, this is good. No, no, no. It comes in you and then it's designed to flow from you to the love, specifically in this context, in the affection of other believers in the Lord Jesus Christ. So look again at verse 42 and notice the word devoted. Devoted. Devotion here describes single-minded fidelity. There is a purity to their passion, a single-mindedness in their direction of their lives. But it also describes here a persevering passion as well. There's a steadfastness in this devotion. So this devotion wasn't just one day and then they kind of got bored and went to something else. No, no. It was a devotion that was uh, for the remainder of their lives. So hear this. The early church, they got this right, man, big time. They knew their priority. Right from the beginning, priority number one, Jesus Christ centered in community with him, and then they let their passions come in line with their priority for him. You say, well, what was their devotion to? Verse 42 tells us. They were devoted to truth, apostles' teaching. They were devoted to fellowship, koinonia, the sharing of one another in love. They were devoted to the breaking of bread, which is for sure the Lord's Supper, and can also possibly describe just general breaking of bread in their homes over meals. And they were devoted, notice, to the prayers. Whether that means they had a specific prayer or routine of prayer they were praying, certainly means they were praying in dependence upon God. So notice this, notice this. There is a purpose to this gathering as a church. They were not just content to make converts. They, from the very beginning, were decided that they were going to see disciples made just as Jesus had commanded them to do. But I want you to notice, in this community, loved ones, they were gathered, again, with such purpose. And what was their purpose? Christ was at the center. Christ at the center of the teaching. Christ at the center of the fellowship. Christ, obviously, at the center of the Lord's Supper. Christ at the center of prayer to Him. So, what this wasn't, which has happened so much in our day to the utter shame and regret of where churches have strayed to over decades is a lot of churches now are focusing just on a social gospel. And a social gospel essentially is we're going to care for the sick, we're going to feed the poor, we're going to help those in need, but we're going to take Christ out of it. Because we're just going to rely on good works, but we're not going to give the gospel. So what we're doing is we're catering to a temporal need, but we're neglecting the greatest need of all, the reality that there's eternity and there's heaven or there's hell. So what the social gospel, if it takes out the gospel of Jesus Christ, is a gospel that doesn't save. It might make you feel better about yourself as a person, as a church, as a community, but it will do nothing for the purposes of Jesus Christ. The true community, biblical. Hey, listen, care for the poor? 100%. Feed the poor? 100%. Care for those in need? 100%. Show compassion to those who are weak? 100%. That's totally what we're to do with Christ in the center. With Christ in the center, you love those in need with the gospel coming right through it all that they might see the practical need but then backed up by the eternal need of salvation in the Lord Jesus Christ. This is what this community in Acts chapter 2 was doing. Genuinely with Christ at the center of their community. So, so we can't just be a community. We are longing to be a Christ centered community devoted to truth and fellowship and the lord's supper the remembering the cross of jesus christ and prayer to him this is why fellowship in christ is so important why why because there's no other fellowship like it in in all of humanity 
What you share with brothers and sisters in Jesus Christ cannot be replicated anywhere else in life. Not your sports team, not the board you sit on, not the community or neighbors you're a part of. What we share as believers in Jesus Christ is literally supernatural and eternal. It's that important. So 3,000 souls saved on their own, it's not going to work. But 3,000 souls saved into a God-designed, Christ-centered community, look out, man. That's where the power is seen. And that's why you can have a large church or a small church. It doesn't matter. You can feel just as alone in a small church as a large church. When you get a church that has Christ at the center of their community and they are decided to see that community within them, and it's really neat to see what God will do. Here's what J.I. Packer said about this truth right here. He said this, we should not think of our fellowship with other Christians as spiritual luxury. That's what some people do. Or as an optional addition to the exercises of private devotions. A lot of people do that too. I'm fine on my own. I do what I, you know. Maybe I'll have some time. No, no, no. He says this. Fellowship is one of the most important words in the New Testament. It denotes something that is vital to Christian spiritual health and central to the church's true life. Biblically speaking, you hear what it's saying here? There's no option for this. There's no exceptions to this as people who follow Christ. The church, he ends with this. The church will flourish and Christians will be strong only when there is fellowship in a Christ-centered community. So why, why small group? Because I need community. Now notice in verse 42, the devotion to these things. Notice what it leads to in verse 43. It leads to awe and supernatural activity. See, when Christ sees a community of believers devoted to him, essentially, and devoted to what he has purposed for the church, that's where the supernatural comes in. That's when his presence is made known. That's when miracles are seen and the awe of the Lord is among us. There's no secret to this. And that's why if you take that devotion out, then you become void of the Spirit of God and you end up being a human gathering on a horizontal level with no vertical true presence or worship. God, help us to never get to that place. Help us to always be devoted to you, Lord Jesus Christ, so that you are then dwelling in the center of where we are. Why small group? Or why group time? Because I need community. Uh, reason number two, why group time? Because I need unity. Because I need unity. Yes, Lord, work in us. Help us right now. Look at verse 44. It says this, And all who believed were together and had all things in common. Now, I want you to see this in verse 44. Notice this. Where there's true faith, there's true unity. See that? The text says, And all who believed were together. So there's no true unity apart from belief. Belief in what? Belief in Jesus Christ. When we are born again into the kingdom of God, we are united all of a sudden in Jesus Christ the Lord. And that again is the most powerful unity we can ever experience. So the early church, right from the outset, united in faith, belief, united in Christ, therefore united in hope, united in love, united in his glory. Nothing more beautiful, nothing more powerful for this also. And so they came together in this unity of faith in gather time, but they also came united in this faith in group time. See, where are you getting that from? Look at verse 46. Notice in verse 46, and day by day, attending the temple together, what's that? Gather time? It's gather time. And then notice, very next words, and breaking bread in their homes. What's that? Group time. So here you have the larger context of unity, gather, and then the smaller context of unity within community, a group time. 
Both are right. Both are good. Both are needed. We're focusing on the power of group time today. Now, notice the commands for unity within the Christ-centered community. I want to put this on the screen for you here, right here. Check this out, okay? Here's, what, here's a summary of what we're called to in the New Testament of the unity that is to be found with our community. Now, I purposely asked for this to all come up on one slide, okay? Because I want to overwhelm you, okay? I want you to look at this. I want you to go, whoa! And this is only like a portion. If we listed every command for one another in the New Testament, it's like 59 plus, okay? So this is a summary of how we're commanded to have unity within community. Look at how beautiful this is, okay? We are called to care for one another, love one another, host one another, uh, receive one another, honor and serve and instruct and forgive one another and motivate each other. We're called to build each other up. We're called to encourage and comfort and pray for and confess sin to one another. We're called to esteem and edify and teach and show kindness and give to one another and rejoice with one another. We're called to weep for one another. And we're called to restore one another um, as well. I want you to notice this. In all these, this summary of unity that is to be seen within a Christ-centered community, some of this can occur in this context right now. Some of these things will have great fruitfulness in the gather time. But most of these will be limited in this context. There's, there's a basis of it. There's touch points for these things. But group time is the bulk of where most of these will actually flourish. And the fruit of these things can truly be seen over the long term. You see, the context for one another's in the New Testament is most clearly and visibly seen in the group time setting where we can truly be known, where we can truly be loved, where we can truly be ministered to and minister to others. So let's be honest, right? Group time is my best chance to be specifically and consistently loved. That can happen in this context, of course. It'll be more difficult. It'll be harder. You have to be more intentional. We usually come in and we sit and we're kind of in the service and we're being preached over, which is great, and we're worshiping together. But you usually get up and you leave afterwards and you might have a conversation, whatever. But there's, there's a limited opportunity when the things, we go get our kids and we have to find our, get our car, all kind of stuff, right? But group time provides a whole different context. Think about this. Group time provides the best opportunity for me to be truly known, like really known, and to feel like I truly belong. Of course it is. More intimate setting and time to do that. A group time is most likely where I can be held accountable, incredibly biblical. We'll hear that in a few minutes. Okay? And group time is also a place where it's much more difficult to hide. If you want to hide in this setting, you can do that easily. You want to come in here and sit by yourself. You don't want to talk to anyone. You want to sit, sit, sit down, stand up, leave, just go, whatever. And you can do that. You can hide in here if you really want to. It's harder to hide in a small group setting, a group time setting. It's much harder to do that. Um, you can, I guess, if you try hard enough, go there and just refuse to say anything or share anything. And but be, the group would be like, what's wrong with that person? You know, and then, Right, But it's a much more difficult place to not be vulnerable and not be real and not be loved and not be helped. Group time, as we just learned, is a more uh, understandable design to be loved in a biblical relationship of the one another's. Uh, group time is where we have the best chance to grow deeper 
in the Lord Jesus Christ. Group time is designed by God where I can find community and unity in Jesus Christ. Now, let's just make sure we're clear on a few things as we talk about group time here at Harvest Oakville, okay? Harvest Oakville is not a perfect church. Yeah, yeah, you need to say amen, okay? Here's, a, here's another try, okay? Uh, we're not a perfect church. Amen. Okay, good. Make sure you get that right from the beginning, okay? Or you will be sorely disappointed as the days and months are unfolded because we're all sinful and we all know Jesus Christ. Our group ministry, in some ways, is a work in progress. It's not perfect either. All right, we need to grace to one another that, but we're excited because we believe God is at work within our groups here in this church, especially in this season right now, and especially this weekend. And some of you are like, well, I tried groups in the past, whether here or elsewhere. It didn't really, wasn't really my thing. We're saying, try again, man. Try again based on the theology that is behind this. Try again based on the time that is best spent. That you know, often come. I didn't get what I wanted at the group time I was at. Well, is it is it is it about you? Is that how Christ calls us to live? Or is there a missional mindset of, I am called to share and give and bless others as opposed to waiting to be served? But we live in our individualistic private society where we huddle in our own little places and we don't want anyone to get in. That's just not biblical. That's not a Christ-centered community. And so we need to understand here, group time is so massive and also group time impacts every other time in the 5G life. Look at this, okay? I want to show this to you. If you put group time in the center, inevitably, okay, naturally what happens is the other Gs get impacted by group time. Now, you could put God time in the center, and we learned that. It'll affect every other time as well, but for this purposes, watch the group time, right? You go to group time. Hey, man, how's your God time going? Well, you know, I kind of got off my routine a bit. I'm not really there. Let's gather around and pray and encourage. Just even the accountability within the group to fuel the God time. And of course, gather time. Hey, man, I haven't seen you at church a little bit. I sent you a text. Hey, you've been around. What's going on? I miss you. What's going on? And all of a sudden, the gather time is impacted by the impact of the group time as well. And of course, give and go. I like give and go. Anyone play basketball here? I love the give and go, right? I love it. No, no, whatever. Okay, so, so group time impacts give time, of course, because so often in group, the best fuel and motivation for give and go time is, hey, man, are you giving? Are you serving in the church? Let's serve together. Hey, what's happening at go time? Hey, hey, for go, I got an idea for go time this Christmas. As a group, we're going to Hamilton, and we're going to help with the poor and the homeless and share the gospel. And yeah, yeah, okay, that's awesome. Well, I, hey, come on with the group. It's, it's an awesome impact for group time to affect all the other Gs. If you take this out, and there's no group time, you are significantly hindered on one way or another of the 5G life, which, I remind you, is the biblical example of how we generally follow Christ. This has been designed to fuel us in the direction of Christ-centered community and establishing a Christ-given unity. Do we have it? Why group time? Well, it's because like where I need community, it's where I need unity, and where I need these things. And reason number three is this. Reason number three is because I need ministry. Because I need ministry. Now look at verse 45 now. Verse 45 says this, and they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. Now what's happening here in verse 45? Mutual ministry is happening. This is what? I am ministering to others, and others are ministering to me. And we want to look at this from the group time context. Notice the last phrase in verse 45. It says, as any had 
need. Now, one of the great challenges of meeting a need is to know it's even there. If all we have is this gather time once a week, it will be very difficult to know the needs that are represented here. But you get into a group time setting and all of a sudden the chances of being cared for and caring for others in terms of ministry by Christ in that setting probably increases a thousandfold. It's just the nature of the numbers. And this is what we're starting to learn here, the ability to care for one another. It's abundantly helpful. So group times, I just imagine group times coming around a member who is grieving the loss of a loved one. Powerful. To come alongside and hear and understand. Group time to help one another from someone who's suffering from persecution for following Christ in this increasingly dark world. Essential, so needed to keep going and not give up. Group time gathering around a member who lost his job. Supporting and prayer and practically supporting as well. Uh, groups gathering around a member who's in a family crisis. Uh, something unforeseen, unexpected. The power of a smaller group gathering around that individual and loving them. Uh, a group gathering around a member who's in financial hardship. And the instruction of generosity to those who are in need as we see in our passage today. Um, groups gathering around when you encounter a health trial. And how devastating those can be. Hardly ever knowing they're going to come. Ever expected. And the group comes and prays. It's happening all the time in our church right now. The power of being cared for in that way. Or a group that has come around and specifically prayed for a loved one who is not in Christ. We have seen in this church, time after time, groups praying in sons and daughters into the kingdom. Groups praying in spouses into the kingdom. Groups praying in lost loved ones, wherever they are, into the kingdom. Time and time again, we've seen that over the course of this church. It's God's design for community. If we're not in that setting, we are missing out on some form or some way. Now, never, there's no groups going to be perfect. But these groups are functioning and God is working in them and the love as we grow together. And you get God's time happening, gather time and give and go. The group, again, all those fuel one another. And you have groups that are assembling with true love and genuine affection for one another. You know, a story I've been so blessed with, and I'll try to get the chronology right, and if you know the story intimately, and, and I make a couple mistakes, just forgive me, but I'll give you the general gist of it. This past, uh, this past season, I was fully enlightened to what has been happening. In the past year, the lady came to our church. She came to Canada with like a hope and a prayer, really, uh, with her special needs daughter and from Antigua. And she uh, landed in Canada and had, had really the clothes on her back and a few toiletries. That's it. Had no idea what she was going to do. She arranged to um, uh, stay with her a cousin um, while, when she got here. She had a face. She, there's a whole story behind this, but she heard about Harvest. She comes to Harvest. She takes the bus here. Uh, she meets a family for prayer uh, for her daughter with special needs. Um, that led, led to a bit of a relationship, and then this family starts driving her um, every week to church. Uh, they find um, um, the funds to get a car seat for her daughter so she can travel safely in this family's car um, from our church. Um, what ends up happening is she goes to Harvest Market as well, and she's cared for in a Harvest Market. But as the Lord starts to increasingly work on her life, the light is shining. The cousin that she's staying with is actually a Muslim. And there ends up being a friction of faith in the home to the point where her cousin kicks her out. And she would testify mostly because of the faith thing. 
And so here she is. She has a special needs daughter. She has no money. She has nothing. She's in Canada. She doesn't know how long she can stay. She wants to be here. And then the church starts to find out about it. And then right away, they're put up in a hotel for two weeks, which led to a couple in our church um, giving them to stay in their living room, I believe, for two months. Then from there, there's an apartment of one of our families in our church, too, that gave the ability for them to stay there. Then the email goes out to one of our flocks, which is a gathering of small groups, and says, we have this situation, this woman from the Caribbean and, and her special needs daughter, we need our apartment to be furnished. And the, the whole apartment was furnished into excess, people giving um, gifts and cash gifts as well to help them kind of get started. And then uh, from there, you see the blessing of the church sends them to a special needs camp in August, which is one of the highlights of their year, which is such a blessing of any kind of understanding of what it's like in that environment, what a blessing it was. And then you have families in our church that are trying to support her and seeing her immigration status being received in Canada. She starts to apply for that. They're writing letters on her behalf. And then you see this past uh, November and the things that are happening in that regard and kind of rallying around what's so cool now. This, this lady in our church now, especially his daughter, she has joined a small group this past um, spring. And then she now is also serving in Harvest Market to other people in need has come full circle to the place where she even started. And now we're praying that God would grant her immigration status and she's been able to extend into the beginning of next year, 2017. But beyond that, we're not sure, but the whole church has rallied around her. What is that? It's Acts 2. What is that? Amen. 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 As any had need... And you see the mobilization. And it, tell me this too. Eh? How fired up are the people probably helping? How much joy are they getting as they seek to serve self? And they're a part of a solution to help one particular family in need in our church. And the blessing. And this lady met with me. And you just see the joy in her face. And she just had to meet to tell me how thankful she is for the community at this church. And so we pray. May, may that story be multiplied in the hundreds, you know? And that's what happens when God is at work and when things, and I, I had nothing to do with it. Praise the Lord. That's the way it's supposed to be as the body of Christ is functioning and looking out for one another. Why do I need group time? Well, I need community. I need unity. I need ministry. And reason number four, I need consistency. I need consistency. So look at verse 46 now. Verse 46 says, And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they receive their food with glad and generous hearts. Again, so gather time, temple, group time in the homes. Now notice this, the early church was not a once a week group of people. Now why were they not a once a week group of people? Here's the answer, look up here, look up here. Because it doesn't work. It doesn't work. Once a week doesn't work. The reason some people only go so far in Christ is because they only go so far in Christ in terms of when they're gathering with other believers to grow in the Lord Jesus Christ. The faith of the early church, notice, was a day-to-day -day reality. What the true follower of Christ knows, knows is his Sunday's great, but Sunday's not enough. The weekend service will never be enough for all the reasons that we're explaining. And what happens in a genuine fellowship of brothers and sisters in Christ getting together, what happens is biblical relationships are formed. And so you have the weekend gathering, you have the midweek gathering of some kind in a group, but then all of a sudden the text messages start flowing and the emails and the phone calls and the meeting in times of need and trial. And you literally start to have a day-to-day -day fellowship and experience of meeting together in the Christ-centered community. 
This is what begins to happen. It's the natural outworking of being known and knowing others in the love of the Lord Jesus Christ. This is what the Christ-centered community is supposed to be. Again, again, the weekend service can only go so far, and that's why so many only go so far. Here's what I know, okay? This service right here, this service, 1115 particularly, the highest concentration of people who are on the outside, the highest concentration of people who are not fully connected, not in a group, and not really known in our church. Any healthy church is always going to have a segment of that because people are coming in all the time. I get that. But I just appeal to you. Some of you have been sitting here for a long time and never been connected. And all you got is this service. And that's why this, like, I'm here, you know, I come here, I feel good, things are good, and I go back and work, and then I'm just like, I fall apart, and all of a sudden, I'm two different people all the time. Well, there's a reason for that. And God's telling us what the reason is because we need more than just now, we need each other. There has to be an ability to gather together as believers in a smaller group setting, in a group setting, to be accountable, to be known, to be loved. So in the risk of repeating myself, but also in the chance to be crystal clear, look at this right here, okay? Here's some principles. I just want to make sure we're abundantly clear, all on the same page, on as we talk about this, okay? Number one is this. Here's a statement of truth. I cannot follow Christ in isolation. I can't do it. It's impossible. Biblically, the Bible tells us that. God tells it. You can't follow Christ in isolation, Say, well, I want to try. Well, keep trying. It won't work, okay? It won't work. It won't work, not in the will of God. Secondly, I'm designed for community. God has made you and I to be in community. It's one of those things you have to surrender to, and hopefully we'd love to. We'd love to surrender this truth. And then thirdly, this, I need accountability. I need other people to speak into my life. I can't can't thrive in Jesus Christ without it. No one can, not one person ever can. This is why group time is so massively important. Now, a verse that speaks to this from Hebrews chapter 3, I want to show you this. This verse is so powerful. Look at this verse here. It says this. Take care, brothers, sisters, lest there be in any of you an evil, unbelieving heart leading you to fall away from the living God. Well, that's not very nice. That's not very good. That doesn't sound good at all. But notice the exhortation now. Well, how do we prevent that? Here it is. Here's how you prevent someone from an evil, unbelieving heart falling away from the living God. Exhort one another every day. You need people in your life who have the ability to exhort you and for us to exhort others as long as it's called today. Why? Why? Well, here's the purpose. So that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. You see, we need others in our lives to show us the things we cannot see. Did you know that every single one of us have blind spots? And do you know why they're called blind spots? Because we can't see them. We're blind to them. People say, I know my blind spots. Well, then they're not blind spots, right? There's always things we cannot see. But other people can, isn't it so true? Like you live in your family. Your family family can can see your blind spots pretty quick, right? Like my wife, she can see. My blind, and you're, you tell me, you know, what are my blind spots? But you need to know them as much as it hurts to grow through them, right? This is the whole point of Christ-centered community, to exhort us in the things we cannot see. So why do people reject community? Here's a slide, okay? Here are reasons what people believe when they reject Christ-centered community, okay? They often believe this. They believe, first of all, they're smarter than God. Why we say that? Because they reject God's design, They know that God's design biblically is community. If you believe God's word is God's word, then there's no wiggle room in that. But what ends up happening is, well, I don't 
I don't, I don't agree with that design. So therefore, you've just called yourself smarter than God. That's when I step away from the situation, right? Now, you've come in here maybe today, and you're like, well, I didn't really know what God's design was for a community. Well, you do now. You do now. And so now that excuse is gone. God is saying with unequivocally and so clearly that we need to be in a Christ-centered community in a group setting of other believers to be known. What people often believe when they reject community is this, that they are stronger than they are. And so I don't need help, man. I'm doing fine. This is a classic, I'm sorry, men. This is classic men here, man. Just this self-sufficiency, self-reliance, self-dependence. I'm strong, I'm tough. Just give enough time, man, and the Lord will break you at the knees. He will humble you because he loves you and you will find yourself crushed to the mat and weeping and having such a despair of self because you can't do it on your own. And the thing I fear the most is men and women and women who keep going and resisting the Holy Spirit and refusing to give in. And you literally times, and just it breaks my heart, you watch them go to their death, never fully giving in to Jesus because the pride, oh God, may it not be so. What a regret. Just the unwillingness to say, I'm weak, I'm frail. Brokenness is what God rushes to. But people believe when they reject community, well, I don't need anyone else, so I'm stronger than this. Um, they are more mature than, than they are. I just, oh man, I'm, I'm, I'm fired up for Christ. I don't need to grow. Now, if anyone would say they don't need to grow, right? Okay, so there's Jesus and you. Is that right? And then the rest of the world is here. So you and Jesus, eh? Two perfect people ever, whatever. And you know, anyone who ever says they don't need to grow, that is the dumbest thing I've ever heard, all right? Just ask your spouse, man. You need to grow, okay? Okay? You're not perfect, right? All of us need to grow. So if we need to grow, we need Christ. And if we need Christ, we need each other because it's Christ designed for us to grow. People believe this when they reject community. Well, no, no, man, I'm, 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 I'm super Christian, all right? And then this, people who reject community often believe this. They're just flat out spiritually lazy. They're just like, I don't, I don't want to do it, man. I want to sit on my couch and watch more TV. I don't want to. I don't want to. My flesh wants to hang out and just be around me. I want to do things that are fun. And I'm just lazy. Look what John Calvin said. He said, the decline of the church is more due to laziness than wickedness. Okay, now, that, that's well said. And that's probably very true. It's probably very true in our nation right now. More due to laziness than wickedness. And so people reject community because of this. And so right now, the Lord is speaking to many of us right now. The Lord is convicting us, which is good, and helping us. He's, he's loving us. Do you know... Um, one of the great contributors to consistency, because this is what we're talking, this is what we need. One of the great con contributors to consistency is accountability. Let me ask you this question right now, okay? Are you accountable? Is there a genuine accountability in your life? The early church here, okay, if you look at the context of the early church in 42, 47, Acts 2, man, there is like a fired up community in Christ, there's devotion to one another, to Christ, there is encouragement, there is conviction, there is joy, there's so much ironing, sharpening, ironing there, there's so much spurring each other on to love and good work, there's so much built-in accountability, really, because they're together, large and smaller group gatherings. Let me ask you again, are you accountable? Do you have someone who can genuinely speak into your life? Is there anyone in your life, and this, I, I know for a fact, for many people in this room right now, there's no one. There's no one in your life that can ask you the hard questions, 
that has any idea of what sin you're committing, that genuine, again, there, there are spouses in total isolation represented in this room right now, total isolation from their spouse. Again, men, men are, I'm not trying to pick on men today, but when, but, but when the men start to live out in humility, the whole family's changed. The whole church has changed. You're, you're, you're God-given leaders over your home, men, established by the Lord for his glory to love and cherish. But of course, of course, women too. Is, do you have accountability in your life? And my fear is that so many of us do not. And so if we do not have accountability, then in some form, in some way, we are outside of God's will for true growth in Christ. Because we need one another to do that. Now, accountability is tough because it means that we have to admit that we're not perfect. That has to admit we need help. It's painful at times because we're exposed to our own sin. And yet the blessing, the grace, the refreshment, the joy that comes from truly understanding someone cares for us and loves us. And we can be open. Remember, the greatest thing Satan wants is for you to have your sin hidden, contained, and sit in isolation over and over and over and over again. Because the longer he can keep you in isolation in your sin, the more devastating it becomes, the more disastrous it is, and the more, more chance and prone you are to literally destroying your very life. So what the light of Christ does, it opens that up and shines on the sin. Satan hates that, but Christ uses it to bring healing and blessing and strength and joy. What we're learning here is group time is grow time. Group time is grow time, and we need each other to do it. I want to turn to a quote right now by R.C. Sproul. If we can go ahead to that one. Look at this right here. This is what he says about what we're talking about, fellowship and uh, the need. He says this. It is both foolish and wicked. Wow. To suppose that we will make much progress in sanctification, that just means growing like Christ, okay? If we isolate ourselves from the visible church. Indeed, it is commonplace to hear people declare that they don't need to unite with a church to be a Christian. They claim that their devotion is personal and private, not institutional or corporate. Look what he says here. This is not the testimony of the great saints of history. It's the confession of fools. Let us not be foolish. Some of you are tempted with foolishness right now. This, this, this is your statement right now. I don't need a church. It's me and God, man. I got it. No, I'm private. No. What we're learning here, that is the confession of foolishness. Christ says we need each other. So let us be wise. Why group time? I need community. I need unity. I need ministry. I need consistency. Reason number five, and finally is this, I need maturity because I need maturity group time is designed for my maturity and really verse 47 really summarizes our entire passage look at verse 47 now and praising god and having favor with all the people and the lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved so watch this okay watch it the devotion to christ leads to awe in Christ, leads to the Spirit of God at work within their community through the apostles' teaching and fellowship, the breaking of bread and prayer. And when that happens, notice the maturity and the multiplication of that devotion as well. Because what we see here is there are, is a God-given maturity and multiplication that's happening here. Because what's happening in early church? Notice the growth of their joy, 
the growth of their, of their gladness, the growth of their uh, sharing, the growth of their generosity, the growth of salvation as disciples are made. See what happens here? The devotion, the awe, the miracles, the multiplication, there's a weaving and a blessing of maturity that is given to the genuine community centered in Christ, pursuing him for his glory. This is the power of group time. Now, will group time solve all your problems? No, no, it won't. But it will put you on God's plan for your growth. So simply put, simply put, you cannot fully be in God's will if you're not connected to his church. In fact, that's such an important line. Let's put it on the screen. I want us to see it together, okay? For many of us here right now, this is a statement of truth here today, irrefutable based on scripture. You cannot fully, you cannot fully be in God's will if you're not connected to God's church. And why? Well, the Bible tells us today because group time is grow time. Group time is grow time. Now, some of you, okay, okay, so I get it. The Bible is clear. Um, I need to be pursuing uh, group time in this church. If I'm following Christ, there's God time, gather time, group time. This is where I need to be. What do I do? Pastor Robbie, what do I do? Okay, well, let us, let us look at this right here, okay? When we speak of group time in our church, traditionally, there has been the notion of small groups, mixed groups is what we're calling them, right? But I, I need us all to see this. When we talk of group time, all of these are in play, okay? Mixed, men's, women's, seniors, discipleship, one-on-one, two-on-one, 20s and 30s, youth, heart resurgence, recovery, grief share, and more are on their way. All of these groups are designed with the same purpose, authentic Christ-centered community, levels of accountability, to be known, to be loved, to be cared for. Some have slightly different ways that's happening, but they're all designed that you would be known, that you would be cared for. For some of you, jump in grief share for a season, and you jump into mixed or men's, whatever it might be. But the point is, we need to be in a group at this time, something beyond this gather time right now. Gather time's awesome. It's not enough. It's not enough. So this is what we mean by group time in this church right now. So what do we do from here? Next slide, okay? From here, what are you next? Well, right now, following this service, okay? Many, many people in the lobby wearing the bright yellow, are you living the 5G Life shirts? And we have the whole 5G Life table over there. You can grab a card today, sign up your information, drop it in the group time box. Or you can go online this week and do the same. We're encouraging. If you're in a group, don't do it. You're obviously already in a group, okay? But if you're not in a group, we strongly urge you by Christ to do this day. Here's what's going to happen. You will receive an email this week. We, we, we guarantee it. And you will be offered at minimum one of two choices to enter group time immediately. We will give you two options that you can join as group time. Now, the more you're available, the easier this becomes, okay? Some people are like, well... Okay, group time, I'm available on Monday nights from 6.15 to 6.45, okay? But it can only be with this group of people, and I have to meet in this corner of my city, and if it happens, then I'm, well, that's not going to be easy for us, okay? That's making it very, very hard, okay? But if you, if you are available, if this is your priority, we promise you will have two options, and we promise this, there will be no wait list. If you are available and open and have a priority, it'll be no wait list to you getting into a group immediately, okay? So we commend you, we exhort you, implore you, jump into it with a step of faith. Some of you have been on the sidelines for too long. Some of you have been in groups in the past. 
Some of you just consider and say, there's, we're, we're trying to make this in a way. Some of it's in the morning. Some of it's in the evening. Some of it's whatever. In between. There's just, we're trying to make it in our lives. I know it's full, but this is a non-negotiable. All of us have to understand that we need each other if we're going to be genuine followers of the Lord Jesus Christ. 